the big big tires is, is not to oversimplify but a lot of the zones we have around here especially in northern michigan um year round you've got sand in the uh summertime and you've got snow in the winter time and tires just aren't big enough on bikes so uh <laughs> we just we didn't feel like there were uh enough people making big tired drop bar bikes i guess and so we made our own. From KOM Cycling and Michigan Midpack Media, welcome to the Dirty Chain Podcast, the podcast that covers the cycling scene from the viewpoint of the Michigan Midpack. I'm your host, Trevor. And this is Sheldon. And we have two great conversations for you on this episode. First up, we talk with Brad Garman with Michigan's Outdoor Industry Office about Michigan's outdoor economy. And speaking of Michigan brands and industry, we talk with Jason Lowitz from Michigan's very own Bear Claw Bicycles. Sheldon Bearclaw has to be one it's of the most. F- it's the most Michigan brand possible. Absolutely. I mean, they make the bikes to race in Michigan. Yes. Granted, they they do great all over the world, but they are Michigan bikes. They're made for sand. They're made for seasonal two tracks. Bearclaws are as Michigan as you could possibly make them. Yeah, Sheldon, we had a great conversation with Jason and. Uh, also had a great conversation with Brad. Brad works for the state of Michigan, and he talks to us about how the state has made an intentional effort to support the brands that embrace the outdoor lifestyle we have in Michigan, like Bear Claw, like KOM Cycling. Like Velocity. Like Velocity. Um, we talk about all of those brands. So super cool conversation. Before we get into both those conversations... Um, I, I just want to say, Sheldon, the the weather has turned, dare I say, is it gravel season? Gravel season's here. I feel like it is gravel. I mean, we're due for one more snow. It's going to happen. It's Michigan. Yes. There's definitely, I mean, we don't want to... Curse ourselves. Curse ourselves. But <laughs> there may be one more snow, but I feel like it is legit gravel season. There are... Um, some races coming up. Yep. There are some events that have already happened. And I see people out riding gravel. We rode together. So can we can we just claim that it's gravel season? Gravel season's here. Gravel, gravel season's here. Gravel season's all, all the time in Michigan. But it is officially gravel season okay. here. Now, speaking of which... We're looking back at a uh, previous episode. We talked with Bobby Wentel, who puts on the Mid-South. Yes. I'm looking at you right now. You got a Mid- Mid-South shirt on. Ooh, I am rocking the Mid-South t-shirt, yeah. You got out and did the grassroots. Yeah, yeah, I uh, totally did. I took on um, the 100-mile Michigan grass route out of um, out of Ada with friend Mitch DeYoung um, about a week or so ago. Listen, the, the course was awesome. You had... You had some hike a bike. A little bit of snow, a little bit of ice. (laughs) 
the weather was honestly like the weather was like 50s 60s but that the snow had not melted yet <laughs> and uh we walked a ton no i think the snow did melt but it turned from snow to ice <laughs> <laughs> there no i mean there was a lot of ice listen it was it was challenging and and matt matt acker did a great job of uh putting together this route but it was it, it was very difficult <laughs> what in your bike finally was dirty trashed i trashed is the correct (laughs) the correct term (laughs) so muddy and it took us over seven hours to do 100 miles and it was it was it was it was a great route but man was it challenging you're ready to go to stillwater next year 100 percent. there's less snow there's more mud but there's less snow so Again, going back to this is gravel season, uh, we have been out on a few gravel rides. Yeah. And it's, also, it, we, it, there's another um, race coming up. Yeah, next weekend, uh, this upcoming Saturday. We, we've got the uh, Dirty 30 in Saranac, Michigan, and uh, there's uh, both a 30-mile and a 50-mile route. You're doing the 50, correct? I will be doing the 50. I'm signed up for the single speed 30. Single speed 30. Oh, of course. So what, what bike are you riding then? I haven't decided yet. I think I'm probably going to ride the State just because it's pink and obnoxious and that's what I like to ride. Um, mm-hmm. There's a couple more um, races coming up. I know Waterloo, Grit and Gravel. Yep. Uh, in April, um, Lowell. Uh, Lowell's now a fifth, or 100. Well, so as always, like Lowell had a... Uh, I think a 30 and a 50. Yep, 30 and a 50. 30 and a 50, and now they have a the, the Rogue 100. Yeah. So, And I'm signed up for the 100, so... Oh, you are? Yeah. Uh, I'll probably do the 50. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to have the 100 in me yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I might sign up for it and die, but... But all this to say, like I said before, it it feels like we are in legitimate gravel season a little bit of normalcy has returned so whether we have signed up for races whether you have signed up for races or you are just out on gravel rides which we have been or you are joining like a incredibly socially distant ride like mid-south there are options to ride gravel and i love it I mean, this it's spring. It's time to ride. Let's get out and ride. Well, speaking of getting out and speaking of our friend Mitch DeYoung, who you rode with, I rode with him today. Uh, he and I went out to ICD and did a lap, a little bit of mountain bike. Uh, the single track, though. Single, single track, single speed. Single track, single speed. How did that go? <laughs> it was fantastic. We got out there. It, it was a little greasy. The ground's still a little wet. It wasn't, wasn't super muddy, but there were definitely spots where you had to really watch your speed but it was temperatures were magnificent it was like 60 degrees we were both we both had long sleeves on ended up pulling our sleeves up because it it warmed up while we were riding it was it was a great way to spend a sunday morning that's that's awesome sheldon i think the the theme of this episode is michigan brands so we talked with jason about bear claw which is one of my favorite Michigan brands, mm-hmm. Bear Claw Bicycles, Titanium, beautiful bikes. We talked with Brad 
head of Michigan Outdoor Industry Office. We talk all about the Michigan outdoor economy. But it got me thinking about one of the quintessential Michigan brands. And I think you know where I'm going with this. It's a sugary drink called Fago. Oh, some rock and rye. (laughs) (laughs) If you happened to listen a couple episodes ago, we may have brought up Fago. And Juggalos. And Juggalos. (laughs) Woo, woo. (laughs) ICP. We got a little bit of a... You got a little flack. We got a little bit of flack. Should we should we listen to this? Yeah, let's hear what a, let's, one of our listeners called in with. Is it a listener or is it a juggalo? A little bit of both. Can't be, can it be both? <laughs> Here it is right now. Yo, Dirty Chain, you guys don't need to be disrespecting juggalos. We bikers too. Yeah, man, we mean we got don't got no thousand dollar bikes or nothing, but you try taking a Huffy up a half pipe, man, and maybe we can start the conversation. Fago forever, yo. Let's quickly transition out of Juggalos. And we need to jump in with Brad. Yeah, let's talk with Brad Garman from the Michigan Outdoor Industry Office. I have I, I have a first question that I just want to quickly interrupt. Just get it out of the way, Brad. Uh-huh. Do you do you have a beer? You know, I went back and forth and back and forth, and I ultimately decided I am officially representing the state of Michigan <laughs> as an employee. I don't think I can drink and talk. I, uh, <laughs> well, we, Trevor, Trevor and I are each representing Michigan and from two good. different two different breweries tonight. Yeah, t- what, yeah, what are you what are you drinking? It's been weird because the last few podcasts we've done, we haven't really talked about beer at all. But um, well, we, most we, of them we've been drinking coffee. Yeah, it, we've we've had some like weird hours of of, of recording, and um, you know, a beer by yourself because we're, we're remote. You know, Sheldon's at his house, I'm at my house, and um, so it's like a, a a Zoom beer doesn't really have the quite a, the gratification of like a a, a social beer, um, but. But I, you know, it's Friday afternoon. Thought mine as well. We're going to talk about Michigan. Let's drink some Michigan beer, Sheldon. What are you? What are you drinking then? I've got Keweenaw Brewing Company's Red Jacket, and I am a sucker for red ales and and amber ales. And this one is just it, it's lately it's kind of been my go to beer. I absolutely love it. I I have a Bell's Lampshade. It's like a double IPA. I I don't know if you can. It was like a like a small release, I think. Brad, if you were to drink a beer right mm. now, which, <laughs> what beer, or say like you're gonna, you, you finish this this interview and you're like, man, I just killed it. I nailed it. I'm gonna celebrate with a beer. Uh, what what beer are you gonna grab? Uh, I'm gonna go with 51K. Yeah, Ooh, Black yes. ah. yeah that's, that's my go-to. It fascinates me, honestly. Like I, I love Dave Manson when he does the Black Rocks and stuff, but I don't know. That's the closest beer I've found to something named after something bikey or outdoorsy, and it's actually Naquamanon Trail stuff. But a, it's a great beer, and B, it's a really great brew pub with a great outdoor oh. vibe. So yeah, I, I I absolutely love their uh, the fifty one K. But I think the one that they just completely knock out of the park is uh, the My Kiss IPA. That is probably my favorite IPA of all time. 
It is delicious. Yes. Uh, Grand Rapids is good. Yeah, you can't go wrong. Like, uh, Dave will show you some good beers anytime. Uh, I mean, yeah, for sure. So it seems like the uh, the UP wins over the Lower Peninsula tonight, but that's that. I mean, if, if you might have biased me because I was like Widowmaker, Akiwana makes. <laughs> I love the Widowmaker. Yeah, there's there's some good beers up there. Absolutely. Yep. So, Brad, you mentioned it already, but uh, you talked about working for the state of Michigan, and uh, you've been there for a year or so. Um, can you just tell us and the listeners exactly what department you work for, or what department it is, and mm-hmm. uh, what it is in charge of? And um, yeah. Yeah, I, I would love to. And you know, so for starters, thanks for having me on. I've been a fan for a while because what I do is run something fairly new to the state of Michigan called the Office of Outdoor Recreation Industry. And it is just as cool a job as it sounds like it is. It is a really great job. Uh, my charge, and I sit at the state of Michigan inside the Department of Natural Resources in close partnership with our economic development agency, which is the MEDC. And my whole reason for being and why the state pays me is to grow the outdoor recreation lifestyle industry. Uh, And that is a direct quote from my job description. So it is a great gig. Um, It's harder than it sounds because it seems like you'd just be going out and like finding people who are recreating and like paying them to do that or something, which would be awesome. But mostly what it is, is trying to convince people I'm not there to support just the act of recreating, but all the stuff we buy that gets us out recreating. And can we make more of that in Michigan? Can we build a full circle around all the great things there are to do in the outdoors in Michigan? The whole range uh, of everything from big products from like ATVs and RVs and boats to the uh, small accessories and the gear and the tools and the stuff that we use. Michigan's a state that makes stuff this is honestly a place where we should lean into. And they picked it as sort of a target industry to grow because of the, the opportunity it represents. So that's my job. And I go to a lot of trade shows. I meet with a lot of companies. I sort of direct business support of these companies that are trying to start up and grow or expand uh, and do a lot of that. And yeah, the first year and a half was heading that direction. And then obviously with COVID, I turned into like, how many can I save? Uh, how many can I try to keep from dying <laughs> yeah. altogether? Okay. I, I, I'm going to interrupt because yeah, I have a couple Go questions before I, I forget. So you you are um, dealing with specifically uh, private businesses, but you're, you're a public, you work for the state, correct? You bet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I mean, uh, wait, you think of it perhaps a good example would be like the auto sector. Like we always mm-hmm. hear that, you know, Michigan is auto state and we have a whole range of companies and stuff. Well, the state really supports that. There's a lot of jobs, a lot of prosperity um, at the family level comes from people working in the industry. The state supports that. So there's a bunch of programs that support that. You think of that as a big cluster of industries. Now we're just trying to do the same thing for other sectors for everything from medical device to aerospace I just got lucky enough that the governor and the state cares about outdoor rec as a, as an industry to focus on. So trying to bring some of those same tools and approaches of economic development, community development, just building it around a a sector that we haven't focused on. You know, we're not unique um, in trying to do this. Other States sort of charted the way a little bit. Utah was the first state to create this unique specific office, but that was only in 2017. So they're still really new. A lot of Western states followed suit. Colorado was close behind with their Office of Outdoor Rec. 
uh, but now like North Carolina, Vermont, uh, there's, there's lots coming online. Every state looks a little different, structures a little different based on sort of how the outdoor rec space works for them. How do you feel Michigan? I mean, us being Michiganders, we know our, our great outdoors is just an absolute killer. It's awesome. How do you feel we are comparing to other states in this area? Oh, it's, it's really across the board. So people who know us, who have, you know, have been here, traveled here, have family here. Like if you work in the outdoor industry, but you have some experience in Michigan, I think you get it. And I think Mm -hmm. that's, that, that works. If you don't, I'll be honest, it's a bit of a challenge. Like we have sort of a brand deficit, I think, in this industry. So if you work at like the North Face, uh, VF Corp in Denver or something like that, and you've never been out here, it's can be somewhat of a hard sell. And, you know, not because they, you know, I don't think disrespect us that we're just not on their radar. Like it's sort of Midwestern, you know, I, you know, I've listened to the podcast. I know you went out and rode in Colorado and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's a different outdoor vibe here for sure. Like we're not, we're not selling 14,000 foot mountains. We're not, you know, we're not sending it, uh, climbing, rock climbing, the extreme kind of Alex Honnold kind of stuff. We're not, we don't, that's not outdoor rec, but we do have a bunch of other stuff. So I think it is, if it has a reputation nationally in this industry, it's sort of a sportsman's paradise, kind of a hunt fish vibe. Mm-hmm. People get that. And, and it makes sense. We do do that a lot of that here. Um, but increasingly, and part of what I'm excited about is I think, you know, like podcasts like yours, events like the Margie and some of those things, like they're, they're starting to help us elevate that brand that you don't, you know, the, I forgot the tagline of something like, you know, the hardest bike race in North America or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Quoted by Jeremiah Bishop. Exactly. That kind of stuff. Like people will take a second glance. So, so I think, you know, a lot of my work is going to be, you know, sort of that sort of a marketing challenge in some ways. So I think the way there was a, a, you know, C-suite level CEO kind of type guy um, at Merrill, Mm-hmm. over in Rockford. And I talked to him and he had moved here from California. Uh, I won't name names, but he, like, he, he was basically like, yeah, I was a little skeptical. Like I'm moving here from California. I didn't know what I was getting. I think he said something along, like he's kind of a foodie as well as an outdoorsman. He's like, I wasn't expecting much like big boy restaurants and you know, whatever. <laughs> and he got here and he said it blew him away. Like Grand Rapid had a great food culture. And he said the outdoor recreation was really stellar. Uh, it just was not, it doesn't have the immediate like visceral picture in your mind. Like when you say Colorado, people like, oh yeah, the, the Rockies yeah. flash to mind. Like when people yep. say Michigan, we need to work on that. We need to figure out what our sort of like, what is our postcard can't miss sort of image that we need to sell around the state in an outdoor recreation context. We're getting there. The Great Lakes are certainly a piece of it. And we have great legacy stuff to sell, like the founding of Trout Unlimited and our there's just great stories here, but we, yeah, we need to work on it um, to some ways to sell it. And then I think the other pieces, like I get a lot of pushback, like, why are you selling it? We don't want people to come here. We like it for ourselves. <laughs> it's fine just the way it is. Uh, so I had to do a little bit of work that too. Like we got to plan ahead so that we're not going to be overwhelmed. There are certainly places in Michigan that are being overwhelmed right now as people are discovering the outdoors pictured rocks and Nordhaus dunes and some of these places that weren't built for large volumes of outdoor recreation are, are finding that they have it. So, so yeah, if we're going to bring more people and we're going to sell it uh, as a state, then we also need to plan and start uh, making investments in some of it too. But yeah, 
but we do have brands that speak to, I got to be careful, like using brand as the, the, but we do have businesses that speak to a, an outdoor brand of Michigan, um, that are nationally known. Uh, we have velocity wheels in the bike sector. We have, um, uh, bear claw who we talked to, we talked to Jason Lowitz, um, and I don't know if you're familiar with with Bear Claw bicycles, but uh, they they sell um, all over the world. And um, when we talked to him, he talked about how he is he is making bikes specifically to be ridden in Michigan, but they're just huge everywhere. Yeah, that and that's actually you know it's a perfect example of what I'm finding. So you know, and I pulled you guys in on you know some of the things that. I am trying to do is use this position in this office to highlight some of the amazing companies that we are birthing out of Michigan and that are making a national splash and doing things that uh, are really cool. And we have quite a few of them. So a lot of the challenge is like, how do we pull them all together into something that feels like it should, you know, set next to a Salt Lake city or a Portland, Oregon, or something to say like, yep, this is an outdoor lifestyle. So if you're, you know, a young college grad or something you're looking at where do you want to live you want to work in the outdoor industry you're a designer you're a you know materials management specialist in lightweight materials like and you're going to say like i want to work in the outdoor industry we have to be a place that there's like yep there is a density and an opportunity and enough work there that i will absolutely put michigan on my short list of places i want to be because right now they do they gravitate to those kind of places and i find every time i go out west to a trade show or something there's there's rarely any, I don't pass the like registration table that I don't find a Michigan expat who's living out mm-hmm. in Boulder now. And it's happened uh, honestly like twice in the last week where people that I work with regularly in this industry are, you know, Hey, I got a job in Denver. I'm, I'm leaving. And I'm like, Oh, I'm sad and mad at you, but I also totally understand. So, so you have your work cut out for you. Challenge. What, um, what, like, what kind of key specific things do you, um, are you focusing on or working with different brands or businesses yep. to um, or, or just in general to, to get maybe these startups or other businesses to come or stay in Michigan? Yeah, it's it, like I said, it's a really fun job and I'm blessed to like, I inherited uh, an advisory council of outdoor businesses in Michigan uh, velocity that you mentioned. So, so Matt, um, writers on my advisory council from Velocity. So I meet great people like Jill Martindale and others and got her involved. So, so building off of what we got is certainly one of my strategies. Sure. Like we do have great companies, Carhartt's on that. Um, yeah. And yeah, you know, they're Tony Ambrose is their marketing guy and he's, he did a great conversation at the university of Michigan where he's talking mm-hmm. to the class there. And so basically like Michigan has it all, but just had mountains, we would be like the perfect state. And And I think that's, yeah, it's sort of in the outdoor space, starting with what we've got and selling it from the companies we've got and getting them more visibility. If you go like outdoor retailer is this big trade show in Denver twice a year and Michigan's well represented out there. We've got big brands, Merrill and Carhartt and a you know, bunch of others. And so I think that's part of it. Um, there are like basically two other ways I'm thinking about this from an economic development standpoint. I do a bunch of other stuff to support the act of recreating too. But in terms of growing companies, on one end, we have a ton of suppliers that are making parts and pieces of outdoor recreation gear. And I want to find more 
more opportunities for them. So they might be making a door for an ATV that's actually assembled over in Wisconsin, but they make the door um, and they make, we have lots of that. So giving them sort of a, a lens into the number of products that they could probably make with the existing tool set they've got, the existing employees, the existing um, equipment, there's just a lot of stuff. So the supply base of Michigan is huge. We should be able to do more with that. And then on the other end of that sort of economic development spectrum is the startups, which is, you know, super interesting uh, place. Like there's, there's rarely a week goes by that someone doesn't come to me with some really cool innovation. They've either got a, a solar powered boat or a, you know, a, a, a new magnetic something or other or whatever. And I, and I'm trying to build up using what Michigan's got, um, places for them to take those ideas and actually turn them into businesses. And, and that's leaning a lot into our startup support. We have a big, you know, network of start support. Like we have more design engineers in Michigan than any other state. So we ought to be able to turn these ideas into real things. We just haven't focused on it as an industry. So those are kind of the two bookends of economic development that I'm trying to build on. But really, it's at the heart of it is just learning this industry and what products are selling and what products are going to sell, you know, next year, five years from now, 10 years from now. We've got to get more, you know, forward looking in, in the products that we're cranking out in Michigan. And I think we're getting there. Electric vehicles will be a big one that will, will probably impact the outdoor recreation space. E-bikes. In now, this context. now, are you seeing like specific municipalities or regions that are really embracing these startups that are saying, hey, come here? Or are you, I, I guess it might, my simple question is, what parts of the state are you seeing kind of mm -hmm. wide open arms uh, for these industries? You know, it, it, at this point, we started with beer, but like the UP, like mm -hmm. there's just a natural... There's a gravitational pull when you talk outdoor rec in Michigan uh, up to Marquette and the UP and the Innovate Marquette uh, folks, which is a smart zone and investment place. They're a good hub. They're interested in these products um, for sure. It sort of depends on the region. Like there's some really cool stuff going on in the Eastern UP, like the Great Lakes Boat Building School um, is a place where they're doing some really interesting things. Uh, Michigan Tech has a lot with like electric snowmobiles and sort of, you know, testing ground for uh, cold weather equipment and things like that. That's cool. Like software, Grand Rapids is doing some cool stuff. There's a great um, team. It's called Sportsman Tracker, but they're taking apps of, and like getting people outdoors, primarily hunting and fishing, but they, they're going gangbusters. And that's sort of like the cool hip Grand Rapids-y vibe to outdoor rec where it's more software and design and stuff. But but part of the challenge is just the industry is so diverse. You can come at it a hundred different ways. So giving it a central identity uh, is probably going to be impossible. What we're going to do is find hubs and regions where certain kinds of products have a natural fit and feel. Now we're that kind of walk, that kind of walked into my next question. Um, obviously we know the bike industry. We talk with people in the bike industry and cyclists. What industries do you see as the up and coming in the state of Michigan? You know, might it be paddle sports? Uh, is hunting going to, uh, I I've heard hunting's kind of been waning over the, uh, over the last few years, but do we, are you expecting a resurgence in any of those industries? Yeah. And for Michigan, you know, like I, I sort of mentioned every state does this a little differently. I think partly it has to do with the outdoor wreck in your state and, mm -hmm. 
one thing about Michigan that's so awesome is that we are good at the way an ATV dealer up in Traverse City actually put it to me, which is not a great bumper sticker, but he's like, you know, Michigan might not be the best at anything, but we're really good at almost everything. And, and he was meaning like for him, it was like, he goes, he takes his ATV with his family. He got a side by side and he goes down to the river. He does like some salmon fishing, but he also fat bikes on the weekend. And he's like, and I can do all that Traverse city. I can do everything. So that's part of what we had to turn into, um, you know, what we do well is let more people get outside and enjoy the outdoors, like in whatever way they want to, because we have this niche here where it's not quite as competitive, you know, as, you know, Colorado, for example, like um, my optometrist, ironically, I'll tell you this story. Like, so I, he just moved back from Colorado, but partly what he said, he loves the outdoors, but he never he never felt like he could come back from a hike without someone asking like, you know, so how fast were you? Or like, did you hit which 14 or did you climb or whatever? And it was just like, and he was just like, I just wanted to go on a hike, man. Like I just wanted to go enjoy the outdoors. So, so I think that is going to be really key to us is that right now where the industry is, is all about inclusive, like it's in inclusiveness, diversity, opening our arms in a welcoming way to all these folks who found the outdoors through the pandemic and stuff. Michigan should be really, really good at that. And, and I think that has to do with, um, yeah, not you know, setting down a little bit of our, like, there's one right way to do things. And that's why I think Michigan's really good at that. But, you know, so for products, I think that's going to be everything from, you know, in, in this context, I think gravel biking is, a perfect fit for Michigan. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's not quite as scary as road biking. It's, you know, good fit for our road systems. People can do it with friends. You, you know, it's just, it, it's a nice feel. So that's a good one. I think the only, like we pretty much do everything really well. There are a couple of gaps. Like I think we need to lean a little bit into like climbing would be good if we could get more parts. There are some, some, you know, according to, you know, Matt Abbott's up in the Keweenaw, like they have the best rock climbing in the Midwest up in the Keweenaw. And, and I think that's pretty much unknown. We need to build on that because that is sort of a gap for us. So people who love the outdoors in that way, they might want to rock climb. So let's, we do ice fest in Munising. That's a great start. Let's build a little bit more climbing culture up there. Hmm. Um, there's a new climbing wall coming online at, uh, Eastern market in Detroit. So I think we can build on what we've got, uh, to, to build some gaps, like climbing whitewater is another one. Like the grand rapids whitewater project when it comes online might help. Cause if you're really into whitewater paddling or something, we don't have a ton of that. Uh, so for the most part, we have a lot of everything that's really good. There might be a couple of places that, that we could lean into a little bit to build out, um, for emerging markets. But so I don't know if that answers your questions about products so much. So it's just more like what do we offer? But. Well, I, I, I think that's a, a good though. Transition is not necessarily focusing on, uh, businesses or products, but then how do we take advantage of what we do have, um, in our, our natural, uh, resources. So, uh, the gravel roads are a great, great example. Um, and taking advantage of, of the accessibility that gravel cycling is. Yeah. And I think honestly, you guys have done a really good job. I think of, you know, as, as you wax philosophical sometimes about sort of where gravel fits in and where it's going to go. And sometimes I think it is sort of a microcosm of 
the outdoors as a movement, as I'm, as I'm, you know, out learning more about the industry and things like that, it really does feel like, you know, the way it was presented last week on a, a you know, a presentation, like this is a group called NPD and they measure consumer sales and retail sales in the outdoor space. And they were basically saying like, we need to think about it less as the outdoors and more just like outside, like people are going outside for different reasons now. And it is much like gravel. It's because it's social. It's like they can, there's a community around it. It doesn't, yeah, if you can be healthier and get some exercise and stuff, that's great. But if you have fun and you can do it with your friends and you're outside and it's safer, then we should, you know, that's where people are headed. And so I think that is why Michigan is, I think really got a great opportunity right now because it's, you know, it, the term in the, in the industry kind of is like pinnacle consumer, like the people that are paying really high end for really expensive gear and stuff like, yeah, there's always going to be that. But now there's this expanding market of folks who want to have a good experience and do things and have fun and they'll buy gear, but it might not be pinnacle consumer. It might be more like have fun consumer. And and that I think is a great market opportunity for us. Yeah. The, I'm, the Michigan gravel race series with their scholarship, I think was probably one of the, the most brilliant things, uh, for the hobby because it, it shows the inclusiveness and, you know, encouraging diversity in the sport. Um, something that, you know, in, in different disciplines, we haven't seen quite the, the, the same initiative being put forward. Um, do you see in other industries, uh, outside of cycling that are trying to include and, in, uh, you know, in, increase the diversity in the different outdoor uh, recreations? Yeah, honestly, that's probably like, you know, based on, you know, the, the industry conversations with itself right now are about two primary things like that diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. And that means, you know, not just like saying we're going to put more people of color in our, you know, brochures, or our magazines. It's actually like, opening up the doors to leadership and decisions and designing of gear and giving more opportunities to, to what have been somewhat marginalized communities. I'll, you know, in, in a lot of these ways, we really haven't done a good job of, of that. So the industry is very you know, concerned about that from sort of an equity angle, but also really interested in it because it's a market that is going to help them. Like it's the future. Like how do we get more inclusive? And the other thing they talk a lot about is sustainability. Like just how do we, connect sort of the consumer mindset around products that we we don't want to buy the gear to go outside and play and in the process destroy the places we go play like so there's a real mindset and a culture around that that the industry is very passionate about those two things so you see a lot of of, a lot of investment in um in resources and people and ideas and products that are in those two spaces so yeah, those th- th- that's where we are, and I think Michigan can do both of those things really well. Like we are, we, we're inherently uh, more diverse if we can open the doors to those, so that it is more. Um, you know, the, the two things I'm kind of understanding that are going to keep a lot of these folks. Like the numbers are big for outdoors during the pandemic. Like people really mm-hmm. did find their way outdoors to keep them around for the long term. Um, the things I'm understanding the industry is betting on sort of is like building community around them so that they're not alone. They didn't just find their way and figure out how to go outside by themselves. And now they they need to find communities to continue to do that long-term and then just more information, like where to go, what to do. So things like uh, 
people for bikes is launching this like bike spot thing, like in bike shops around the country and stuff that just like utilizes the bike shops as the pathway for people to find where the trails are. And those, those are, those are your best experts in whatever industry you're in. If it's paddling, hiking, biking, all this kind of stuff that people do, you need someone to help fit your backpack or um, get you the right paddle for the right place and send you to the right location. I think there's going to be a great, uh, a really fun and great opportunity for us to start connecting. So the retailers who know the places with the nonprofit community who helps support and sends out volunteers to maintain these trails and do this work. And then the big manufacturers and industries who are wanting to keep those consumers around and sell more gear to them. It's a, it's a fun space. Well, Brad, we've, um, we've, We've talked a couple times uh, in the last few months, and I've been super interested about uh, just your office and then and what you're doing and the the potential that is there. And then um, Sheldon and I sat in on one of your um, virtual, uh, uh, I don't know, I don't keep, like what, virtual what, happy hour, <laughs> virtual happy hour with um, awesome. which had with also no drinking, which is really ironic, isn't well, it? I was drinking, so yeah, <laughs> good. That was I, the, I definitely that had was a beer. The <laughs> That was the intent. The audience was drinking. I was not. But but I mean, and and it was a it was really cool how you kind of put together a whole panel of um, people that uh, and businesses that support this outdoor economy. So Velocity was there, but then there were also a couple um, businesses that I I was not aware of. Um, Superior back what, is it Superior backpacks yeah. or. Um, superior, superior wilderness design. Yeah, yeah. that make uh, make uh, backpacking backpacks. Um, yep. Shaggy skis, um, yep. which was really cool to to hear about, and then some other some other cool brands. So, as you were talking and kind of leading people through that uh, that happy hour, I thought, man, it would be it'd be really cool to have you come on the podcast, talk about what you're doing, and then um, have people maybe 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 it would spark some some creativity or something from one of our listeners and they can get in contact with you and see how um, you can be a resource for them. And then for furthering like this community that we have um, not just cycling, but just whole outdoors community. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I, like I said, I appreciate it. I think there is, you know, there's so much out there uh, that I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me because there's, you can spend as you do podcasts talking uh, lots and lots of Michigan stuff, but I would be remiss if I didn't give some credit to a mutual friend, Dustin Derrick, who was the first one to introduce me to your podcast, friend and neighbor, and also to uh, your bike shop, I think, Sheldon. So when I was told I was building up this crazy rig to go ride the Sub 48, I, I took it to, to spin. And yeah, it's that community. And, and I think you guys are doing a real service. And I really appreciate you taking the time here because, yeah, like what you've done for bikes, I think we could do for just about any sector, whether it's stand-up paddle boarding or shipwreck diving or trail running in the UP. Like it's just an amazing state. So, so thanks for everything you're doing. That's awesome. Thank you, Brad. Brad, thank you so much. Thanks guys. Appreciate the time. And now next up, let's talk titanium with Jason Lowitz from Bear Claw Bicycles. I don't know. Do you know Sheldon at all? Um, have you guys met? We we met in the rollout at the uh, Sancho, not last year, <laughs> but the the 2019. Cool. Yeah, I I vaguely remember your 
you're not wearing your helmet right now. So <laughs> you should put, can you put your helmet on? I'll have to go grab that, go grab that from the car. I haven't needed it for a while with it being trainer season. Right on. Well, yeah. Good. Good to see you. Good to see you too. Hey man. Very cool. I appreciate your time. Um, and, uh, I, I think we can just kind of get right into it. We want to talk about some of your new projects and some of your new bikes and all this and definitely the Tomac, but, okay. uh, can we maybe start with like how long have you been building frames and titanium frames and when did bear claw uh, get going? Four or five years ago, maybe we, so we, we had a, we still have the bike shop Einstein cycles and we'd, we'd been selling a lot of fat bikes and we were running out of fat bikes and I'd been in the industry for a while and kind of wanted to play around with, having our own bike brand and just kind of started to dabble and quickly the dabble turned into our own design and our own carbon mold and our belt is our fat bike. And we just kind of went for it and had a lot of um, success with that locally. And then long story short, we got in, we, that frame was great. We still have that, but we did, we were going to do, do a gravel frame and we were a little hesitant on carbon just because, um, I don't know, it, carbon and gravel. We just we decided to play around with titanium, fell in love with Ty, and then just kind of went crazy with designing frames. The Thunderhawk was the first bike, and we went through, I don't know, a dozen versions of that. Um, and and yeah. I, like in a short time, I mean, not that your bikes aren't traditional, but I definitely would say each model is pretty unique and uh, to your own style. Yeah, it, it, it's it, the big, big tires is, is, is not to oversimplify, but a lot of the zones we have around here, especially in Northern Michigan, um, year round, you've got sand in the uh, summertime and you've got snow in the wintertime and tires just aren't big enough on bikes. So <laughs> uh, we just kept figuring out ways to, to, uh, and, and a quick background, I was, I used to race on the road. I, I do. I love, I love drop bars. I mean, I just, for the long distance stuff too, I love the different hand positions and just the position on a, a drop bar bike. So we didn't feel like there were uh, enough people making big tired drop bar bikes, I guess. And so we made our own. Man, that's, that's fantastic. That was like one of my main questions I wanted to ask you about like holding on to the drop bars and uh i mean i feel like with gravel bikes and everything it's like we're in a drop bar renaissance like everyone wants like but uh your brand in particular it's that's like shown really well at how like drop bars are so versatile and can be used in um from gravel bikes to like your bo jackson which is like a 29er and then now for the tomac which is a fat bike drop bar um, it's, it's very cool when you're building yeah. bikes, I was wondering, and you kind of touched on this, but like when, when you're thinking about a new bike, are you thinking about, um, new trends in geometry or trends in this? Are you thinking what kind of bike do I want to ride? That really, I, it, like Tomac was more of a me first on that one. Like I just like, man, there's. I love riding fat bikes, but there's all these roads I'm seeing that 
there's no one on there's no cars on them they're <laughs> plowed there's all this all these roads to be explored but you need a fat bike in the winter for the most part because you'll come across sections of road that aren't cleared or you might want to hop off on the trail or whatever just a kind of a bike to especially here i'm in the up right now but between traverse city and the upper peninsula hundreds thousands of miles of of roads um plowed most of them and you can connect a lot of those roads with single track two track trails and that so i've I've recently just kind of fallen back in love with cycling a lot. And I've been just putting a ton of miles on Tomac. I kind of credit it to that bike. Um, but yeah, the geometry, really, we just wanted it to feel like, like we like a gravel bike to feel kind of between like that Tomac Bo Jackson, but with big tires, you know? So how big a, can you go up to like a, what, a five inch on the, on the Tomac? Yeah, it, it'll fit a 27 five by four or I have the 27 five by five Dillinger's on there. Uh -huh. I had, um, they don't measure five. I think if they measured five, it'd be a little too tight, but they measure like four or six or four seven. So we say 27 five by four five and then 26 by five fit too. So basically oh, wow. the biggest tire options fit. Yeah. That, and, that. um, what um what other considerations yeah. do you have to make when you are because I, I'm assuming it's not as easy as just grabbing a fat bike and throwing drop bars on it. What considerations did you have to make specifically to make the Tomac work in terms of geometry, in terms of like fork angle and all the all that kind of stuff? Were there specific things that you had to had to consider? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I'm sure a lot of people don't understand it's it's a completely different bike than a fat bike it's it's basically a, a gravel road bike for with big tires you you can't just I mean you can just throw drop bars on a fat bike but it's it's going to be goofy uh, uh, the geometry is designed around flat bars and on a on a, on a mountain bike um, so you know shorter shorter uh, top two different angles really throughout the bike um so our consideration was morally just thinking mostly just drop bar because we're just thinking drop bars this whole time but how can we how can we uh make this work with the big tires and on this one we really kind of nailed it on our first version um so we only the only little tweak we made on the final production was we pushed the head tube out five millimeters just to get a little, just to make sure there's no issue with toe clearance on the front. But in general, it's a, it's just a gravel bike geometry, big tires. Now you, you kind of, you kind of so, glossed on, uh, when you've been bringing out these new models, how many prototypes do you tend to go through? I, I know you said with the Tomac, there was one, but, uh, with kind of from the, from the get go, how many versions of each one did you go through before you hit your production style? good question i don't i mean at thunderhawk there were several um but now that we've it seems like we've been doing this for a long time but it's really i think it's been three years of the type frames but we've really learned a lot in those three years that we we know we kind of know what works and what doesn't work and mm -hmm. the little differences we make like on tomac moving forward are probably going to be more like 
cable routing changes and that kind of thing. But the frame geometry, I've, I think I've put 1500 miles on the bike in the last month or two and it's spot on for me. Um, just other than that little push on the top tube, but it's, it's interesting. I took, uh, so I have a Tomac built up right now too, with the studded tires. And a lot of times the routes I'm doing up here could be ridden on, you know, the, the, the Thunderhawk, uh, with, uh, like a 40 C studded tire. Mm -hmm. But one of the big things I've noticed, I'll go out for four or five hours on both bikes and Tomac is so smooth. You know, those big tires, they might be a half mile an hour slower or whatever, but it's just so comfortable um, that I hesitate to get on the Thunderhawk because it's, you know, it, it feels like I'm on a skinny tire road bike coming <laughs> off that. So can you, I don't know if that makes any sense, yeah, but for sure. Can yeah. you, can you explain a little bit then where kind of in the middle, uh, the Bo Jackson fits in there and why, um, I don't know. Yeah. Where does that like, just in terms of your bike ranges, yeah. like where, cause that's that in, in itself is a unique bike as well. Yeah, that really, we just, we wanted to, to maintain the, the, the spacing the Thunderhawk has and keep the Thunderhawk its own thing and come out with a bike that really would fit again, bigger tires, just a little more slacked out a little bit longer wheelbase, um, geared more towards the, the, um, this is before we, before Tomac, um, it was kind of, if you think of like the salsa cutthroat. So at the shop, we sell salsa. We sell a lot of the salsa cutthroats. Great bike, but just that long uh, front fork, basically the axle to crown measurement on a lot of these drop bar 29ers, they're putting a mountain bike fork on it. And it's cranking the front end of the bike up and it doesn't feel like a gravel bike or a road bike. So where Bo Jackson comes in, it's kind of like that from a, talking from like a customer standpoint, someone that might ride a salsa cutthroat, but they want it to feel like a road bike or gravel bike and not be um, so high up in the front, I guess. Sure. Um, it, we just needed a bigger tire Thunderhawk. It's, <laughs> it is, it's funny, you know, when you, a couple years ago or a year ago when those Bo Jackson started to come out and it's kind of like what in the 29er tires, I mean, it kind of looked so uh, uh, foreign and then now you look at it and it looks, it basically looks like most gravel bikes that people are making. <laughs> it yeah. seems a little ahead of its time. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we, we do, you mentioned Tristan, we, we ride with Tristan pretty often and he has a Bo Jackson and, um, Tristan Smith and man, I, I think it's such a great tool for this area. Um, I know that when you're making bikes and you said, you know, you need big tires, Michigan, these, this area, it's sandy or it's snowy. Um, but I know that you are, you've been, uh, selling bikes nationally and a lot of people are buying your bikes all over the country. Yeah. How are they respond? Like, are, is it fitting other types of terrain at just as well as it is here in Michigan? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's been a, like a big surprise to us. And we're, very grateful it's like we don't really sell that many bikes in michigan compared to across the country in the world like huh. people all over are getting into this and even maybe they don't even have the sandy terrain or whatever but the the the, 
thing is, is just the bigger the tire, the, the more comfortable the ride. You can get so much more comfort out of a bike with a larger tire than you can with a perfectly designed frame that flexes just right or whatever. It's a, the tires make such a big difference um, for people that just want to go out ride and uh, go out and ride and have an enjoyable experience, but maybe they want to go fast sometimes too. Just that's kind of what I guess our, our bikes, the, the geometry is still, it's still there. You want to go fast, go for it. Um, but you can also just settle in for two, three, four, five, twelve 12 hours and enjoy, enjoy the ride more with the, you know, the tie frames are very, very smooth ride, but the bigger tires are just, it's hard. It's like, it's funny. I look at right now I'm in Tomac land and I look at my Bo Jackson. I'm like, Oh, those are too skinny. Like I'm not riding that. <laughs> it's it's weird, but it's true. And 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 I I like I'm I'm trying to keep the speed up. Like I'll go out on Tomac and I'm laid out on the bars and just <laughs> treating it like a road race bike a lot of the time. And it's fun. Now, where where do the names for each of the models come from? Such as like Tomac and Bojacks, and uh, I I feel like there must be a story behind yeah. the name of each of these. Yeah, uh, well, you can probably use your imagination for Bo Jackson. Uh, you must, maybe you don't know Bo Jackson. Uh, I, I'll, I'll just not say anything about that one. But um, nineteen eighty seven tops uh, font, though, on that uh, tops baseball card font for Bo Jackson. By the way, that was a lot of work. <laughs> You look up the 87 tops baseball. That's the font um, for, for Tomac. Uh, obviously inspiration with uh, the legend, John Tomac, who used to ride uh, drop bar bikes. Everyone just thought he was a crazy. He's running like a disc wheel on the back with drop bars. <laughs> and uh, just that mindset of like, we we're, we're not, nothing's holding us back with this idea. We're not following any rules. It's just like, wait, well, you like drop bars. Big tires are pretty uh, handy. We're going to do this bike. And I actually, I, I told the guys, I'm like, we're going to make, I, we, we'll probably sell like half a dozen of these in a year, <laughs> which is fine. But I mean, we've sold a lot more than that. People are, are excited about it. And I'm excited to just, I, I when I'm out there on these, these rides, I'm just thinking about, like all my friends and customers that ride drop bar bikes or used to be roadies. And now they don't ride road bikes because of, because of cars. I'm just like, man, this is, I feel like I'm like back in the road biking big time now. And it's on a Tomac. <laughs> so um, maybe I'm just crazy. I probably am. But, uh, and then Thunderhawk just, Sounds really awesome, doesn't it? <laughs> Thunder. <laughs> Hawk. That's, that's it. I mean, there's the... Just like to have fun with the names. Every time I see a, one of the Thunderhawks, all I can think of is like a 1980s Trans Am with the, the, the Thunder chicken oh, on the hood. <laughs> yeah, and there's a... We didn't even know this. I, I think there's a Thunderhawk like mask toy from the 80s thing or there's like a uh -huh. nerf gun or something 
obviously they're two pretty popular words joined together there I'm sure we weren't the first people to put thunder and hawk together but i i think uh we can't uh finish this without talking about chet i mean where does chet come into how much does he work in the shop you know does he uh or does he just he is he always how many cigarette breaks does he take yeah yeah i I feel like that guy's not working (laughs) very hard yeah he's uh he's never stopped smoking actually (laughs) he's been 24 hours a day like 600 years 700 years we don't know we don't know how old he is but that's a mystery i mean you know we don't know what's going on with like i think he uh is in a basketball tournament or something right now somewhere in, in Europe. He uh, he needed his Reebok pumps last night, and they're digging around for those. Found him, and he hopped on his jet ski and headed out. I think he, I don't know how he did that. He took St. Lawrence Seaway or something like that. <laughs> Said he had a basketball tournament. We don't have questions. Okay, well. We just send him. Or he sends himself. We sure. just want to ride. Yeah, well, I, I, I hope to meet Chet <laughs> does that, someday. Does that tell you you need to know about Chet? That, that's, that's fine. I mean, that Me was... too. I've never <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do have a, just a quick um, question about, I mean, well, we're talking a lot about Michigan, and uh, we've been in some other conversations with some people about Michigan brands and Michigan communities and all of this. Um, and I know you said it's surprising to you, but you sell more bikes outside of Michigan than actually in Michigan. But I think for us in Michigan, you seem like a one of the quintessential now bike brands of Michigan. And uh, does that what does that Please. kind of what does that kind of mean to you as just being a brand and, and representing Michigan? And I mean, putting on Sancho and uh, being kind of connected to a, a bike shop. Like, can you talk a little bit about being a part of that Michigan community? Yeah, it's, it's just awesome. I mean, awesome people here. I'm originally from Michigan. I moved out West to California, just out of high school and then back to Michigan. I guess that would have been in 2009. And um, so I'd gotten really into cycling out West. I didn't really know what to expect coming back to Michigan and moved to Traverse City. And right off the bat, like I had no idea what the cycling scene was going to be like. And was just like, wow, there's just a thing going on here. There was, uh, and they're still going like the Tuesday night road ride going on out there. There'd yeah. be 50 to 100 people and just brushing it for two or three hours and just the Iceman too. That was, I had no idea. I was just like, Oh cool. There's this little bike race going on I'm gonna <laughs> right down the road and coming from, you know, Southern California, you think, well, whatever's happening out, it's, you know, these you need three, three, 400 people come to a mountain bike race out there. It's kind of chill. And Iceman, I was just like, what is this? This is so cool. Like there's 10,000 people out there and 5,000 riders. And just, there's this whole, seen just in, in Michigan alone and um, just really grateful like to to be able to ride here too especially the further north you go just I it's so amazing the roads like I'll go out on a ride and see two cars in five hours um, and 
not that I want everyone to stay away from here, but it's like, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's just so pretty here and so much great riding and good people. And it's, it's really fun to have the opportunity to be able to say, Hey, I've got this idea for a bike that would work really well in this zone and, and create the bike. And then the next thing you know, there's people, you know, obviously here in Michigan that appreciate it and, and, we're like that's perfect and they're ripping around on the same bike that i am that that me and, and the guys came up with this is pretty pretty awesome and uh and there's people elsewhere too that that it works for um just really grateful really it's it's yeah. a great state and there's so much there's so much more too i'm constantly just like man there's like I, i've already mentioned maybe two or three times but there's all this riding i'm doing up here in the eastern upper peninsula right now and i I convince some of my buddies to come up every once in a while and join me and they just want to come back for more. And so many more people could be out doing it, getting outside and riding, um, especially Northern Michigan and the UP just, that's a whole nother conversation, but just dressing properly for it. Um, yeah. you got six months of winter here and I've been riding, I've ridden more in the last two months than the previous two years. Hmm. Um, just awesome but i don't know if i went off on too much of a tangent there no that's that is I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> you're fine you're fine that's yeah. that's great um yeah so what is next i mean can we expect like a a tomac uh tandem coming out or um like what where do you go you know like probably a four-wheeler okay <laughs> no, no i i think we uh we ride bikes for a while and we, uh, we, we do have an idea for, um, of uh, another event to kind of similar to Sancho up here in the upper peninsula. Um, I say up here, that's just where I'm at right now. I go between Traverse city and the upper peninsula, but the, uh, the Sancho is actually coming up. Jeez, that's only in four or five months. And then just another, maybe another event up here in, Eastern upper just to kind of showcase some of this, the, just the region up here. Um, as far as bikes, I don't know. I mean, we'll say that we're just not going to make any more. And then two weeks later, we've got an idea, but <laughs> as of now, I feel like we've, it, it's funny. Uh, Tomax got me thinking about road bikes again. That does that make any sense? <laughs> I'm like, oh, maybe we should Come out with a skinny tire bike. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. <laughs> You're going reverse evolution here. That's... <laughs> yeah, I don't. It's like I think it's the speed thing. You get like sucked into looking at your wow. You're like, oh man. And on Tomac, it's like if I can hold 16 miles an hour for two hours, just ripping. I'm like, man, I could be going like 22 <laughs> on a rope. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know well awesome man yeah maybe the next thing will be like an arrow arrow road bike <laughs> that would be incredible what a, a, like the perfect uh, uh addition to... <laughs> no this is this is great thank you for uh for the time and this is i'm, I'm glad we got to talk and uh hopefully we'll we'll be able to yeah, see no, each other in, a, in some event sancho or whatever the you know, a new event yeah. that'd be that'd be fantastic. 
Awesome. Jason, Thanks, great guys. I really you, appreciate you taking my time, too. Yeah, you too. Maybe I'll see uh, Sancho 2021. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, this Maybe. time I won't be on 38s. That was a big mistake. <laughs> yep. Maybe 39s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> cool, man. Cool. All right, good seeing you, Jason. The Dirty Chain Podcast is a Michigan Midpack Media production in partnership with KOM Cycling the source for your bike accessories and necessities. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Dirty Chain Podcast, email dirtychainpodcast at gmail.com, or call our hotline at 616-522-2641. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave us a rating and review on whatever platform you use to listen. Audio editing and original music by Trevor Gibney. Sheldon Little handles the social media, graphic design, and of course, bad decisions. A big thank you to Brad Garman and Jason Lowitz for being on this episode, and thank you all for listening to the Dirty Chain Podcast. And as always, keep your chain clean, but get your chain dirty. We will see you in the mid-pack. <laughs>